Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. you. We glorify you. Lord, you alone are worthy of all of our praise. Lord, we corporately worship you. Father, I ask that you glorify your name in this place today. Lord, I pray that every person that's here, no matter their story, no matter what's going on, I pray that you will speak to them. Lord, I pray that your word will tear down walls. I pray, Father, your word is anointed, but Lord, I need your anointing to speak your word. So, Lord, I thank you for what, you, for what you've done. I thank you for what you're, you are doing. I thank you for what you're about to do. And, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I rebuke. I rebuke every distraction. I, I rebuke every every lie of the enemy. I just come against it in the name of Jesus. Lies saying that you're not enough, that you're not good enough, Lord Jesus. I just rebuke those lies, and I just pray right now that you will just reveal yourself to be faithful and true. We worship you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, God's good. God's good. God's good. It was awesome having our babies in service and worship with us. I love it. Yeah. We have such wonderful, amazing children's workers that they get to every week, week in and week out, they show up and bring Jesus to our kids at a level that they can understand and um, man, let's just let's just glorify God for the kids workers that we have. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for sending awesome kids workers. Um, it's a it's a great day. It's a great day. I'm not gonna lie. Something got in my eye earlier when we were baptizing. Um, I don't know if it was dust or, but man, I'm I'm so proud of of these uh, these babies these little girls. With that said, I'm going to tell you a joke. (laughs) Solomon said that humor does good for the soul and the heart. So we're going to, I'm going to tell you a joke. And uh, this lady wakes up in the middle of the night and she uh, notices her husband's not in bed. So he, she goes downstairs to see him sitting at the table and he has a cup of coffee, and he's taking sips, and just tears are running down his face. Just like, not, he's not sobbing, he's just crying. And he has this very sober look on his face, and she said, Honey, are, are you okay? And he said, Do you remember when we first met? I was 18, and you were 16, and that passion we had back then, and she was kind of touched. She's like, yeah, I remember that. He takes another drink of coffee, sips it. It's like, remember remember that one time in our youth when we were just full, so foolish, your dad caught us in the back of the car, and he held the gun to my head, 
And he said, you marry her or it's 20 years in prison? And she goes, oh, my goodness, you remember that? He's like, how can I forget? And he takes another drink and another tear. And she's like, what's bringing all this up, honey? He goes, as he takes another sip and another tear, I would have got out of prison today. <laughs> I'm sorry. that I've, I've told that joke probably ten times this week, and every time I laugh. I was, <laughs> yeah. Amy's like, it's not funny. It's not true, honey. Today we're continuing our series called Identity Crisis, and we've been walking through the book of Daniel, and we've been covering large sections of scripture. Today is no different, because to get context, I, 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 don't, I, I like to contextualize scripture, and so to get context of scripture, I, I love, I love to, to put it in where it goes. To not just pull something out. Um, we're going to look at one scripture today, though, with that said, and then we're going to contextualize it at the end to put context around it in our response to what we read in Daniel. But in Daniel chapter 5, there is a saying, um, it's as clear as the writing on the wall. Have you guys ever heard, like, little, that's, the, that's your writing on the wall? Have you guys ever heard that saying? Well, that comes from this section of scripture. And with that said, this the context around what's going on, Daniel has served for many years. He's very high in the kingdom of Babylon. He keeps just doing what God tells him to do. He keeps obeying. He keeps making stands. He keeps just trusting God. And God keeps promoting him and keeps promoting him and keeps promoting him. And no. His friend Nebuchadnezzar, the king, passed away. Now we have a new king named Belshazzar. And this king rules for a while, but then he starts to, he doesn't learn from his predecessor's mistakes. Nebuchadnezzar got very prideful, but God actually sent him out of his kingdom and he lived like a wild animal for a while to humble him, and then he brought him back. Belshazzar did not learn this lesson. Even though he was in Nebuchadnezzar's courts, even though he was around it, he got to see what happened to Nebuchadnezzar when the Lord humbled him. And so we step into this, and um, if you look at our society today, there's a lot of what's going on here, there. And we, our, our, our government, uh, people, they... They think, they would never say this, but instead of saying, in God we trust, like the motto of our nation, it's almost like they say, in me I trust. They're, they're elevating themselves to a position that only God can hold. And they would never say that, but you can see it. This is why it's so important for the church to have discernment, especially now. Like, if, if Jesus said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh in the last days, then, I mean, right now, right now, this is the end of the last days. I mean, we're like in the 11th hour. And um, we got to have discernment, but we got to see that there's mockery of God going on all over. And 
And sometimes we can be guilty of, even as Christians and followers of Christ, saying, God, where are you? God, where are you in, in this injustice? God, where are you? Like, do you not see how wicked this world is getting? The world's just going to get more wicked. I mean, <laughs> Jesus is talking about, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 10, he talks about how, like, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to stand in judgment over this generation. That's pretty crazy. But it's just going to get more wicked. And I, I, want, I want to maybe answer that question today. If you've been there and you're like, God, where are you? Maybe it's a situation you're going through and there's injustice. You see, like, God just being really insulted. And you've asked, God, where are you? God, are you going to show up? God, are you showing up? So today we're going to look at Daniel chapter 5, and we're going to read a story. And then I have one thought for you. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So these cups that he's asking to, to be brought in, these cups were used, they were used for, they were used for worship of the Most High God. They were used in ceremonial things of the Jewish people. They were reserved for the temple. The kings didn't even use them. The kings of Israel weren't like, it was like the priest. It was like for temple use of worship of God. And so Belshazzar is getting a little bold. He's getting a little, um, like Nebuchadnezzar, you never even did this. He, he's, uh, he's wanting to show God the power of his gods. And I say that with air quotes. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. If you ever read Isaiah in the 40s, God doesn't have kind words to people who worship idols. Like he, he Honestly, it's almost like he's making fun of them. Just... He's like, you take and cut a piece of wood in half, you heat and cook your meals and turn around and carve an idol out of it and worship it and thank it for the food. I mean, it's like, it doesn't even make sense. Suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote and his face turned pale with fright, his, e his knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. He was scared. I think, I think there's true proper responses to the presence and the power of God. And honestly, number one, it should be fear. Like, what? What? That can't be right. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but... There is this story in the Gospels where Jesus heals um, a lame person, and it says that fear 
struck the crowd. And then the next chapter, he comes with storms, and it says his disciples were afraid of the storm, but it says they were terrified of Jesus. Because when you encounter the raw power and presence of God, there's only one response, and then you worship. <laughs> you're terrified, then you worship. Like, you're God, I'm not. Well, you're God, I'm not. Like, that, that's Belshazzar's response. He falls. The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said, these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means, will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But all the king's wise men had come in. None of them could read the writing, or tell what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed as his face turned pale. His nobles, too, were shaken. But the queen mother heard what was happening. She hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, Long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. That's what Belshazzar, Daniel's name, actually means. Um, during Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, wisdom, like of the gods. Obviously, it wasn't the god. It was our god. His predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. It's the only time in history where a man listened to his mother-in-law. <laughs> it's in the Bible. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah my, by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard you have the spirit of the gods within you, and you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men, enchanters, have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I am told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell their meaning, you will be clothed in purple, and we, we read it, gold chains, third highest in the kingdom. And I love Daniel's response. Let's keep going. Daniel answered, keep your gifts and give them to someone else. But I will tell you what the, mean, the, what, what the writing means. And, and that really speaks to his identity. Because when you're, like this identity crisis, when your identity is rooted in God, you're not worried about what people think. You're not worried about what you can get. You just do it because it's the right thing to do. Daniel wasn't, he wasn't after ambition. He wasn't after recognition. He wasn't after any of that. It's like, God gave me this gift, so I'm going to freely give it. If God's given you a gift, use it. Freely give it. Don't, don't, don't wait for recognition. Because then you're getting the glory and not God. Daniel wasn't about getting himself glory. God gave him a gift and God used him in that. And so he said, 
Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. Like, God laid mountains before this man. God, I mean, God, God lay, waylaid armies before Nebuchadnezzar. Like, he built one of the biggest empires the world has ever seen because God... He made him so great that people of all races, nations, and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance. He was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was had given the mind of a wild animal, and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with dew of heaven until he learned that the Most High God, I, I need us to, to read this, the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world. Just say that with me. The Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world. Okay? Remember that. And appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. You're, you are his successor, O Belshazzar. And you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have made these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles, your wives, concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see, nor hear, nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. Woo! So God has sent this hand to write this message. This is what the message was written. Mean, mean, tekel, and parson. Do you know what that means? I don't either. Let's read. <laughs> this is what these words mean. Mean means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign as brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balance and, been, and have not measured up. He's been found wanting. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. He didn't even want it, and God still blessed him because he used his gift. Let's keep going. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed, and Darius, the Mede, took over the kingdom at the age of 62. There's a scripture in Galatians 6-7, and we're going to contextualize this later, but it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Some translations say, don't be mistaken. God cannot be mocked. So, my only thought for you today is this, and I want us to chew on it. If you're, if you're struggling 
and you're seeing what's happening in this world. You're seeing injustice. You're seeing people who were heralded as heroes last year. They're heroes. They're frontline workers. And then this year, they're losing their jobs in droves. They're expendable. When you're seeing injustice like that, when you're seeing people that are just standing up for what's right, and yet they're being persecuted, and you're saying, God, where are you? It's okay to ask questions, okay? It's not a lack of faith. We're human. But we're going to answer that today. Because I imagine the servants in that feast, we know that most of them were Hebrew. And they knew what these cups meant. And they're sitting there handing these cups to these nobles and these kings, and it's probably hurting their heart. They remembered using them in worship of, of, of God Most High in Jerusalem at the temple. And they're one probably wondering, God, where are you? What are you going to do about this? My only thought is God rules and uses people, not the other way around. God rules. You can look at the situation in our nation. You can look at the situations around the world and, and wonder. But let me tell you, God rules. God cannot be mocked, and, 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 and he is not being mocked. People can drink all they want from his cups, but God's taking notes. Our job in the, in the meantime is to love people and preach the gospel. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. I have a few thoughts under this. God rules and uses people. But I want to give you a few, a few thoughts to hash this out. Okay? The first thought to hash this out is God defends himself. God defends himself. Get this. God doesn't need you. He chooses to use you, but he definitely doesn't need you to defend him. Churches and Christians, man, like we, we run whole like crusades on social media, sticking up for Jesus, sticking up for God. I'm not saying don't stand for your faith. I'm not saying that. If you notice the book of Daniel, every time Daniel and the three Hebrew children stood for God, they stood for, they stood for what honored and glorified God. They didn't defend God. They didn't defend their decision. They said, this honors God. I'm going to stand for that. If it gets me killed, it gets me killed, period. But they didn't go to God's rescue. He comes to our rescue. He, God doesn't need us to defend him. Well, what do you do with that verse where Peter says, be ready to give a defense for your faith? I would say keep reading the Bible. Because what Peter is actually talking about in that verse, if you guys might not know it, you might know it, but he's not saying defend the faith. He's saying give a reason for why you believe what you believe. There's a vast difference between defending God and giving a reason for why you believe in God. God is fully capable to defend himself. And when we, when we run and try to, to, to stand up, like, no, that's not right. and de Like, defend God. Honestly, we're taking his job into our hands. 
God defends us when we stand for righteousness. When Daniel stood for the things that honored God. And then God will defend you. Because persecution will come to you when you stand for things that honor God. Period. Jesus, he's sending out the, the 12 to, to, to cast out demons, to, to heal the sick in Matthew chapter 10. And, and, he, and he raised the dead and he's sending them out. And then he's saying that the world's going to hate you because of me. But you just keep doing. Keep doing what I tell you to do. That's what you focus on. You just do what God tells you to do. And then God will defend you. He said, man, no, no students greater than the master. They've called me this. They're going to call you worse. I mean, like, he's going after it and he's just preparing them. But he didn't say once to defend God. Because God defends us. When we stand up for what honors God, God defends us. So if you're a social media crusader, give it a rest. Stand for what honors God. You don't have to go out of your way to be a modern-day Pharisee. God doesn't need you to defend him. God, God knows how to defend himself. The second thought I want to give you, God sees the injustice. Belshazzar thought he was getting away with something. Belshazzar, in the story, he thought he was like, look at me. I'm at the peak of human power. The world bends to my will. And God's like, yeah, keep thinking that. I wonder what he thinks. I, I grant, grant you, as a follower of Christ, Jesus came and died for our sins between then and now. We're in an area of grace because God wants to save people. He wants people in a relationship with him. But God also sees injustice. God does not like it, love it, and if you're going through it, you can rest in the fact that God is seeing it and is not going to go unanswered. You might not get answers this side of heaven. You might not see that justice this side of heaven, but there will come a day when we all stand before God and we will all give an account before the great white throne of Jesus Christ. And he's going to, some of us have just a couple paragraphs of what we've done. Some of us in this room probably have volumes of the stuff that we've done. Books upon books upon books. But we're going to stand. And the only thing we'll be able to plead is Jesus. And justice will be done. God sees injustice, and God is a God of justice. God is a God of justice. And you think that God is being mocked, but it's actually impossible for God to be mocked because after the great white throne judgment, there's nothing. People don't get to appeal because the cool thing about God is he sees everything. It's not like a jury or a judge here that can only see in part and, and only see um, what the evidence presented. But no, God God just sees it. And that, that's why his, his judgments are righteous and good. If he makes a judgment, he's not, he's not making a judgment on a lack of evidence. He saw the intentions of your heart that motivated you to do whatever you did. So his judgments are like... Not only did I see what you did, I see why you did it. That's sobering. <laughs> that, that is sobering. Like, we, we, need to, 
We need to take in Take that into account when we're serving people. Are we doing it for recognition? Daniel didn't do it for recognition. He didn't do it. Like, he did it because this is, this is the gift that God gave me, and I want to glorify God with my giftings. It's all for his glory. And because he glorified God, God lifted him up in honor. So God sees the injustice. The third thing, the third understanding we need to, to know in in this, God makes his answers to wrong obvious. He makes his answers to wrong obvious. God doesn't hide his opinion on sin. God doesn't hide his opinion when things are clearly wrong. He literally, in Belshazzar's case, he wrote on the wall. He made it very obvious. Well, you might be like, Ryan, I, I don't know. Like, how do I know? What if I told you that there is this book that's a collection of 66 books, hundreds of different authors, that is called the Bible or the living word of God? And he gave it to us to give his opinion. Not just his opinion, but his commands. On wrong, on life, on eternal life, on everything that you go through. It's all found in that book. We don't have to wait for a writing on the wall. If you're waiting for a writing on the wall, open your Bible. Dust it off. Because God gave us the inspired written word of God. And it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to separate bone from marrow, soul from spirit. Man, if, you, if, you're, if you're wondering, how am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? God, I need you to talk to me. Open the Bible. God might send someone to say, Lord, this is, this is what the Lord is leading me to say to you. And that's great. The Holy Spirit uses people all the time. God rules and uses people, right? But... The first, first things first, the number one way God speaks to his people is through the written word of God. And everything that comes to us filters through the written word of God. So if someone comes to you and says, man, this is what the Lord says to you, and it contradicts the word of God, you can say, ha, right. No, that's not the Lord. You can confidently say, that's not the Lord. You need to go pray some more. That's what the Bible tells them to do. Go pray some more. Go find the heart of the Holy Spirit a little more because the Holy Spirit will never contradict the word of God. He won't. If you feel the, if you feel the Holy Spirit laying something on your heart and it contradicts the word of God, Genesis to Revelation, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's not. Everything filters through. And like, so if you're wondering, what's God's opinion on this? Read the word. Read the word. Search it out. And the cool thing, as you do that, man, you're going you're gonna to discover all the nuances of a father and a God that loves you with his whole heart. You're going to discover how good he really is. You might be looking for this answer, and God might give you ten more. As we take time to spend time with God. I, I love 
I love the word because every time I open it, there's new revelation. Like, I'll read a scripture that I never, like, I've, re- I've probably read my- Matthew four times this year. And I was le- listening to Matthew chapter 10 the other day, and s- what hit me was this attack on the family. Jesus is talking about how in the, in the last days, sons would turn against um, fathers, fathers would turn against sons. And I'm, I'm hearing all this, and I'm like, dude, that's what's happening in this world right now. Families are imploding on one another, and there's such an attack on the family. And like, even though I've read that four times this year alone, I'm like, how did I miss this? But it takes, just, all it takes is time. Just, I'm going I'm to sit down, and I'm going to find the heart of God. And all I have to do is read the word. You can listen to the word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So, I mean, like you want to grow your faith, just turn the Bible on and listen to it because God makes his answers to wrong obvious. He makes them obvious. He doesn't try to hide anything. He wasn't trying to hide anything from Belshazzar. He wasn't pleased with them. Wrote it on the wall. For us, he doesn't have to write it on the wall. He put it in a book called the Bible. And I think some of us are wanting God to speak to us in this season. I just need a word from God. I just need a word from God. But you haven't opened your Bible in months. I'm not saying that God won't answer you. Or he might not. I'm not saying that God won't send someone to speak life into you. But maybe he's sending me right now to say, open the word of God. And read the Bible. It won't only just give you life. It will give you strength. I love you guys. I want you to know that. I do. I'm not, I'm like, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm passionate though. We got to be people of the word. We got to be people that are fluent in the gospel. We can't just, we, we need to know. Peter says, be ready in season, out of season to give a defense. But remember what that really meant is to give a reason for why you believe what you believe. Why do you believe it? The answers are found in the word of God. And not just that, then when you, when you take the word of God, then you compile it with the, what the word has done to you. Man, God changed my life when I heard the gospel. And you can share your testimony along with the gospel. People can't refute your personal testimony. They're like, actually, that never happened to you. Really? Like, how can you refute a personal testimony? You can't. We've got to be people of the word. Got to be people that listen to the Holy Spirit. And the last thought I want to give you, I want to end with this. I want to end with this. God will use anything to bring about salvation. Anything. Obviously, Christ is how we get saved, His finished work on the cross. But God will use anything to get us to that point. He will use anything to get us to believe in Jesus. He will. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that he will use anything. You might be wondering, what does this have to do with Daniel? God will use anything to bring about salvation. I want to read, I want, I want to tell you about another king. His name's Cyrus. And this is what God says about Cyrus. It's, it's found in Isaiah 45. Let, let's, let's read it real quick. 
This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one. Remember, Cyrus is a Persian king whose right hand he will empower. Before him, mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be opened never to shut again. This is what the Lord says. I will go before Cyrus. This is not even like a follower of God. And level the mountains. I will smash down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you treasures hidden in darkness, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And why have I called you for this work? Why did I call you by name when you did not know me? He was a Persian. It is for the sake of Jacob. That's the nation of Israel. Because God is all about saving his people. He's all about it. And you no, know, Israel is in exile. They're not even in their homeland. They're, they're serving the Babylonians. It is for the sake of Israel, or Jacob. Israel, Jacob's the same thing. Um, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. Now let, we're going to skip down to verse 13. I will raise up Cyrus to fulfill my righteous purpose. God rules and uses people, not the other way around. God rules and uses people. I will raise up Cyrus to fulfill my righteous purpose. I will guide his actions. He will restore my city, that's Jerusalem, and free my captive people without seeking a reward. I, the Lord of heaven's army, have spoken. God rules and uses people. So what, why is this so relevant to this story? So we read that Belshazzar mocked God. He mocked God. And God called him on it. He said, you've been weighed, you've been measured, and you've been found wanting. And that night he died. Who killed him? It was Darius. Darius, the guy that threw Daniel in the lion's den. Darius. Darius killed Belshazzar and took over the kingdom. Darius is his Babylonian name. His Persian name is Cyrus. Darius and Cyrus are the same person. So what seemed horrible, like the crazy thing is, Daniel got promoted a third in charge on the wrong night. Because whenever there's a coup like this, usually they just kill all the people in charge. But guess what? Daniel stayed. He kept serving. He kept. He was a ruler in the kingdom of Cyrus. God protected him. But get this. Go back to that last thought real quick. God will use anything to bring about salvation. God used a coup to bring about liberty. And what did Cyrus do? Cyrus was the one who not only released, started to release the captives, 70,000. He, he funded the rebuilding of the temple of God. He funded the restoration on his own dime of Jerusalem. Because God will use anything. So if you're going through it and you're like, this is a horrible season. This is a rough moment. God is using it. Let him use it. Because God is working through it. 
got, like, the Israelites probably just saw a regime change. It goes from Babylonians to Persians. But God's saying, I'm going to use a regime change to bring about the fulfillment of my word because God rules and uses people. So when you, when you, look, at, when you look at what's going on in, in our nation, when you look at what's going on in the world, and you're like, God, where are you? God rules and uses people. When you're looking at what's going on in your life, and you're like, God, I, man, prices are going up. I don't know how I'm going to feed my kids or what, whatever your situation is. God, I, I need a job, whatever. And you're like, God, where are you? God rules and he uses people. He's sovereign. He hasn't forgot you. And, and, and Romans 8.28 is very clear. God makes all things work together. Now, um, do you know what all things means? All things, right? They're like, there's not an exception. It, there's no but. There's no conjunction, junction. What's your function in that statement? God uses all things. All things, period. I make all things work together for good. For the good of those who love me, and are called according to my purpose. So, you want all things to work together? Love God. And let him use you for the purpose that he's created you. You're like, well, I don't have a purpose. You do. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, we are all created in Christ Jesus for good works that he predestined us long ago. He has a purpose for you, a good work for you that he, he predestined before you were even born. The Bible says you're his masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. I don't feel like a masterpiece. It doesn't matter how you feel because God says you are. God says you are. God will use anything to bring about salvation. God will use anything to bring about salvation. So how do we respond what, what, is our, what is our reaction when we see things spin out of control in our society? When we see, like this, when we see injustice, like Daniel's seen this, he's seen God being mocked. What is our reaction when, when we see hypocrisy? What, what, how do we respond as followers of Christ? I think Paul hits on it. We read. Verse 7 earlier says, make no mistake, God cannot be mocked. But if you keep reading, Galatians 6, 7 through 10, Paul says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. But those, so this is, I think this is how we should respond when we see injustice, when we see people openly mocking God, when we see that. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting light from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. So what do we do? We respond by doing good. Let's not get tired. It's really tiring. It's really tiring to keep doing good when you when you think the the world is going to trash when you're like what's the point It's really tiring but Paul says let's not get tired from doing good At just the right time we will reap 
a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on your prayers. Keep praying for that lost loved one. Keep praying for that job. Keep praying. Keep praying for our leaders, our elected officials. Keep lifting them up. Man, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. They need wisdom from God to rule people. They're appointed by God. He doesn't make mistakes. Let's keep praying. Like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to pray for them or I didn't vote for them or it doesn't matter. Pray for them. God loves them. God cares for them. How do we respond? Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever the Bible says therefore, you got to ask, what is it? Therefore. Therefore, with that in mind, knowing that God can't be mocked, knowing that we will reap what we sow, knowing that if we don't give up in doing good, we'll reap a harvest. Whenever we have an opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Mm. It didn't say... We should do good to people who agree with us. We should do good to people that act like us, look like us, smell like us. Some of us don't need to be smelled like. Um, I'm about myself. We should do good to everyone. And then he says, especially to those in the family of faith. Especially. So there's no exceptions, but especially to those in the family of faith. Whether they call C1 home or not, it didn't say um, to do good to those especially that, to go to, that go to the same organization, church. No, 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 no. There's one church, it's spelled with a big C, and it's the bride of Christ. We are just one little tiny aspect of that. But there, we, we should do good to everyone especially those in the body of Christ. How do we respond when we see injustice? We keep doing good. We keep using the gifts God give, gave us. We keep praying. We, we don't give up. Some of us are just a week away in prayer from that breakthrough, and you're also like a moment away from giving up. I'm not going to pray for this anymore. God, you're not hearing me. Don't give up. Don't give up in well-doing. You'll reap a harvest You'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Don't give up. God, I've been witnessing to that neighbor for years, and they just, they're just not hearing. I've been loving on them. I, 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 I've been sharing your love with them. I've been, you know, doing all these things, inviting them over and all this stuff, and it's just not making a difference. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep doing it. God, I've been talking to that co-worker that's an atheist or whatever and just been loving on them and trying to show them the love of God and I just feel like I'm getting nowhere. Don't give up. 
Don't grow weary in well-doing. That's the enemy. He wants you to grow weary. He wants you to give up. Man, Daniel had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity throughout this book to give up. And we're going to hear about one next week where Daniel has served faithfully, standing for what honors God, worshiping God, and yet he gets betrayed and thrown into a pit of lions. I pet a lion. They're huge. And that lion that I pet was six months old and was this big. It was bigger than most large dogs. And they're like, well, don't get too close to it, but you can pet it. I'm like, you put me in a cage with it. Like, but Daniel gets thrown to a pit of lions. But guess what? He didn't give up. He didn't give up. He didn't grow weary and well-doing. I'm here to tell you, God, God is here to say, don't give up. Man, if you're here today, everyone, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to respond with worship in a moment. But like, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've been going through it, and you're like, how am I going to make it? Honestly, I don't know how you're going to make it apart from Jesus. He's the only reason I've made it this far in my life. I should be dead. I should be um, thrown by the wayside, but God, he showed up in my life. He met me in the midst of everything going wrong in my life. And he said, no, I have a purpose and a plan. And God has a purpose and a plan. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not just Savior, but Lord, you've never made him Lord. You've never said, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again from the dead. Please forgive me of my sins. I recognize that I'm a sinner. You've never confessed faith in Jesus. I'm going to be right up here. And I want to introduce you to Jesus. Because Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. He will move mountains to save you. And you're here today to know this. You're here today to know this. God overthrew an entire kingdom to save people. In Daniel chapter 5, know what he did to save you? He bankrupt heaven. He sent his one and only son to die in your place, to die a sinner's death in your place, in my place, to raise back to life, to buy our salvation. There's a cost to sin, and he paid it once for all. So if you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to be right up here. I want you to respond. But for the rest of us, what I want us to do, I want us to say, God, what areas, what areas in my life where I'm about to give up? And Lord, I ask for strength to keep pressing in. Help me not to grow weary in well-doing. And so let's stand. Some of us just need to worship in response to the word. Whenever we encounter the word of God, the living word of God, there is a response to it. There is always a response to the word of God. And I believe that proper response, it might be, I need salvation. It might be, God, forgive me. It might be, um, Lord, search me. Or it might just be worship. I just need to praise Jesus. 
What I don't want is the response to be fear. Well, what will people think? What will people think? Who cares what people will think? I can tell you what the people of our church think. They're going to be celebrating. Praise God. But even if they're not, who cares? Because God is the one that we should have a holy reverence for, not people's opinion. So as Pastor Ben starts to lead, I'm going to be right up here if you need prayer, if you need salvation, if you need Jesus. I would love to introduce you to our Savior.
the Lord is in this place. Oh, the Lord is in this place. So come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Oh, I'm not enough. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you Not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Is all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? God, you are so good, Lord. God, we thank you for everything that you've done today. God, we thank you for the three little girls that proclaim their faith, their, their love for you today, God. Lord, we thank you for the many more that will come after them, Lord. And we thank you, God, for what you spoke to us today. God, I pray right now that you would give each and every person the boldness to, to go forward, the boldness to continue on, the boldness to, to know who you are, God, and what you're doing in their life and in their situation, Lord. And I pray right now that you would take each person in here, Lord, and that you would specifically speak to them and move in their life and in their situation and, and, and whatever is going on in their lives, God. We thank you that you spoke to us, that you are here with us, God, and that this is not, this is not the end, God, that you are going to move throughout the week, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for, for what you've done, Lord, and what you're going to do, God. And what you've done throughout the, the week, Lord. There have been miracles that have happened this week. There have been things that have gone on this week that only you can do, God. And we praise you for that. Lord, I pray right now that you would bless each and every person that's in here. God, that you would take them, that you would move in their life and in their situation. And you would let them know that they are your child and that they matter to you, God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Well, we also want to, uh, to remind you that this week or this month is Pastor Appreciation Month. And um, I will say this. We have some great, great, great pastors. And um, I, I'm not saying that because I'm on the pastoral staff. <laughs> Although I am pretty fond of my husband most days. No, but we do have some awesome, amazing staff, and, um, and we couldn't move forward without them. And we, we know that God has ordained them and placed them here. And so um, we, I just want to say thank you on behalf of our staff for those that have, have given us gifts and that have given us kind words. We want to say, um, I want to say thank you for that. And, um, and you guys, it is a pleasure to pastor C1 Church. It's not just what we do. It is an amazing pleasure. And so thank you. Thank you guys so much for your blessings. Have a great week.